Hey, coming up on the Matt Townsend Show today, have you ever heard this from one of your children? Oh, hey, Dad, I know you're busy, so, you know, you don't need to come to my soccer game today. It's okay. Now, if you've heard that, I bet you think your child's being considerate, right? Well, actually, he might be embarrassed at your poor sportsmanship up in the stands. And if it isn't you, you know which parent I'm talking about. How parents are ruining sports for their kids. Up next on the Matt Townsend Show. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. After a weekend of national mourning for the victims of a horrific school shooting last Friday, families in Newtown, Connecticut gathered today in to lay the first two victims to rest in what will be a long week of funerals and remembrance. A 22-year-old suspect in the Topeka, Kansas shooting of two police officers over the weekend has been killed after a shootout with authorities at a nearby home. In response to increasing gun crime, New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg is calling on President Obama to make gun control laws the top issue for the incoming Congress. Bloomberg's plan calls for background checks, banning assault rifles, and making gun trafficking a felony. Republican officials say Governor Nikki Haley will nominate Tim Scott to represent South Carolina in the Senate after Jim DeMint leaves the post. Scott will be the first black man to represent the state in over a century. Hopes that some progress can be made on the looming fiscal cliff are high after House Speaker John Boehner conceded on raising the debt ceiling. Boehner and President Obama met today, and aides from both sides say it's likely a deal will be reached soon. In the Middle East, Syrian rebels have gained a strong enough hold for the regime vice president to say that neither side is likely to be victorious in the continuing conflict, which has taken over 30,000 lives. Egyptian protesters are vowing to continue their efforts against President Mohamed Morsi and the latest constitutional draft he rushed to referendum. The document was victorious in the first round of public review over the weekend. In entertainment news, the latest Peter Jackson movie based on a novel by J.R.R. Tolkien hit theaters this weekend. The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey, raked in a record-breaking $84.8 million, making it the best December release of all time. That's the news to now on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your uh, life coach, right? Your guide on the side. We do what we can on this program to give you the tools, the skills you need to hopefully, you know, create healthier, happier lives. And man, have we been dealt a hand, haven't we? As a country, as a state for Connecticut, and as a, a, a sleepy little town in Newton, Newtown, Connecticut, how, uh, boy, what a test. We've all been handled. And as uh, as we start the show today, I'm thinking we just have to talk about it. We have to we have to address it. I also know that you're getting a lot of information about it, and sometimes it's better to let some things just pass for a little bit. So we're only going to do a few um, segments of our show today to talk about uh, what's gone on in Connecticut. Hopefully, make some sense of it even though there's really no sense to be made. One of the things I've had a chance to do a lot over this weekend is had a lot of media interviews where I was able to talk about 
the impact of this on our families, how we should be talking to our children about it, how, uh, how, we, how we make sense of something that is really so senseless. And honestly, in all of my work uh, of, of trying to kind of help people process this for the last few days, this shooting um, in, in Connecticut, there's really no answer. And one of the main things I guess I've come up with is, uh, in a weird way, the ability and the reality that we have so much pain over this, to me, is a sign that we're still fairly healthy. I know a lot of the news that we're hearing out there is just how messed up this country is and how many problems. And we have papers from Europe telling us, we've got to control guns in America. You guys are out of control. And everybody's got a position and everybody's in a hurry to fix it. And I think the reality is um, if you can feel pain as profoundly as you have over the last few days and sadness and been struck by just how what a loss this is, that's telling us something. My view is you can only feel that much pain if you feel that much love and appreciation for these children. You have to know children to feel that depth of pain at their loss You have to know what love is in order to feel such loss. And so the mere fact that our country, our president, our news media, everybody is so shaken by this, honestly, tells me we've still got a lot of good, good, good people out there. Uh, The day this story is no longer making news or stories like this no longer scare us or jolt us, the day we no longer feel pain about these things, that's a day I worry about. And... So on the show today, what I want to do is not just get in and keep regurgitating all of the stories that you're hearing, but hopefully give you some hope. And um, for every situation that we've heard about over the last few years, the Aurora Colorados, the, um, you know, the Virginia Techs, the, uh, this, this shooting in Connecticut, for every one of these stories... We also have some amazing learnings, and one of the learnings that I want to get into just uh, at the beginning of the show here is how truly blessed we are to to also have such great people around our children. Now, a lot of people, when we when we have a loss like this, we do everything we can to get in. We got to fix it, and I think that's just kind of human nature. We got to figure out a solution to this. And you've heard a bunch of people nationwide jumping on the bandwagon, blaming the media, blaming video gaming for this, blaming uh, parenting or a lack of parenting, blaming mental health issues, blaming guns and the need to control our guns, blaming the school districts. Everybody immediately goes to their pet peeve solution. And one of the things I'm finding, the more I talk about it, is there's not one solution. This is a highly complex problem. And the minute we simplify it by thinking there's, oh, no, you just got all, if all we did was this one thing, we'd have this problem solved. Uh, This is a complex human issue, and it's going to take a complex human solution. While we're at it, however, there really were some amazing heroes that appeared during this entire situation. And so that's what I want to talk about. I want to get into their lives today and just some of the great stories. For example, uh, just the stories abound with the staff and what happened with these kids, the clerks and, and everybody that was involved in this school um, and how they stepped up and made a change. There were some incredible acts of heroism. The district superintendent, Janet Robinson, noted uh, she's the superintendent for the school district there. Um, and 
we need to we need to recognize this. Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newtown, Connecticut, that school district uh, highlighted some of the great, incredible acts of heroism, and I wanted to share a few of them. Now, I'm, I'm sure you've heard of some of these out in the news, out in the stories. For example, after the gunman, Adam, uh, I'm not even going to give his last name, broke in through the door, the school door, broke in, guns blazing. Two people, school psychologist Mary Sherlock and the principal Don Hawksprung, ran toward him. They left a meeting that they were attending, heard the guns firing, and they ran out and just started right after him. Hawksprung, who was the principal of the school, died, took the gunfire while lunging at the gunman. She knew instantly she had to act, had to stop the man, and lunged at him and actually died. The school principal died with uh, her children. 56-year-old Sherlock, who was Mary Sherlock, who was the school psychologist, who, by the way, would have been the one responsible for counseling all of these people, she, too, um, died during the tragedy, uh, doing what her son-in-law says was something she loved to do. Mary felt that she was doing God's work. He said she was working with the children. Now, that's a hero. Two heroes, the minute they get a chance. Now, these aren't special ops, army people running out that are used to gunfire. This is a school counselor and a principal who are just protecting their people. Victoria Soto was a 27-year-old teacher who reportedly hid some of the students in a bathroom or a closet, and she died trying to shield them from bullets, her cousin um, told NBC News. Uh, They also said they weren't surprised. She said, if you have a teacher who cared more about her students than herself, uh, you know, that speaks volumes for this Soto. She says uh, this woman's character, her commitment and dedication, again, another hero. Notice these adults that died, died being heroes. They weren't just, you know, teachers. They weren't just, you know, hiding in a a corner uh, and running to save their own life. They were trying to save their children that they teach. Another teacher, Theodore Varga, said that as gunfire echoed through the school, the custodian ran around warning people. He appears, the custodian appeared to have survived. All the adults uh, killed that were killed during the shooting were women. And he ran around yelling, guys, get down, hide, 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 he said. And uh, he also then was a hero. Just again, a simple janitor, probably not a special ops, not an army guy, not a police guy, not used to this. Um, also, someone in the office also is being lauded as a hero, someone that switched on the intercom, alerting people in the building that there was an attack going on by letting them hear the chaos up in the front office. Teachers, that gave the teachers the wherewithal, the knowledge to lock their doors and got, get their children into the corners or to hide in closets. Again, somebody, that's, and we don't even know who did that. Uh, another uh, classroom teacher, Caitlin Roig, barricaded her 15 students into a tiny bathroom, pulled the bookshelf across the door and locked it in, locked the door, locked her kids in there and told them to be absolutely quiet. Um, another one. How about, uh, in fact, uh, this mother, man, imagine having to be this teacher that says, I, there are bad people out there right now. We need to wait for the good guys to come. A clerk, just one of the clerks, Marianne Jacob, who was working with a group of 18 fourth graders in the library when the shooting broke out, she herded the children into a classroom um, in the library and then realized that that door wouldn't lock, so she had to have them all crawl out to a storage space where she locked the door and barricaded it with a filing cabinet. 
There happened to be materials for coloring, she said, so she set them up with paper and crayons, and they, they did some of that. So there's true heroes here. Some of the biggest heroes, though, uh, I think are the kids. And the neat thing about this, um, it's, you know, this is going to take a while to get over. Uh, kids are resilient, but this was a big, big load. So again, shout out to all of these kids that just, you know, this is something kids are not supposed to go through. This is something that they shouldn't have to deal with. And uh, I'm going to give a, a real big shout out for um, the one of the great heroes of the weekend. And you may have heard of this one on the news, but this is uh, Robbie Parker. Robbie Parker is the father whose daughter, Emily Parker, died um, during the uh, during the shootout. She was one of the um, small young girls, the wonderful, beautiful young children that passed away. And uh, why I think Robbie Parker is such a hero is because Robbie, uh, he, he didn't just address the loss of his daughter. He also addressed the loss and sympathy that he offered for the, the family of the shooter. And he basically said, I can't imagine how hard this experience must be for you. He probably, you know, maybe when he made that announcement, didn't fully understand that maybe the mother had been shot. Um, but how surprising. We remember that the, the brother of this the shooter was also arrested and detained for a while. And the father, who's also commenting that he doesn't know how this happened either. So when we think about it, um, wow, heroes. So the crazy irony of every tragedy is that there's also um, a chance to learn the goodness in people. And I think you can see it in Robbie and and his family, who uh, basically tells us that we need to get over this. The way we get over it is remembering the goodness. And he just talked about his beautiful daughter. And he said he was sad because if anybody could have gotten to this shooter and understood the shooter, it would have been his daughter, Emily. He says, Emily was the kind of person who lights up the room and added that he felt blessed to be her father. He says, as, d- as the deep pain begins to settle into our hearts, we find comfort reflecting on the incredible person that Emily was and how many lives she was able to touch in her short time here on earth. Emily was bright, creative, and very loving. Emily was always willing to try new things other than food, he said. She loved to use her talents to touch the lives of everyone that she came in contact with. And uh, he even said that um, he can't tell or count the number of times Emily noticed someone feeling sad or frustrated, and would rush to find a piece of paper to draw them a picture or to write them an encouraging note. Um, He really thinks that, uh, he says, it's a horrific tragedy, and we want everybody to know that our hearts and prayers go out to them. This includes the family of the shooter. So uh, that's, uh, that's the father of this little girl, Robbie Parker, who um, lost his daughter Emily in that shooting. Now, I'm just going to challenge you because you're going to hear more in the news. You're going to hear it tomorrow. You're going to hear it the next day. You're going to hear it the next day. And as you hear these stories, will you please pay attention to a couple things? Pay attention to the stories of the heroes. Pay attention to the goodness that you see that's happening as people are mourning those with those that mourn. There's goodness there. 
you're going to see not just the bad in America, you're seeing the goodness. That goodness is what we want to emulate. That goodness is what we need to be talking about because that is what we want to recreate and reconstruct. The number one way I've ever found to deal with something like this is to find the goodness. We can now, we can break it down into parts, and we'll talk about that in this next break. We can break it down. We can try to fix it every which way we can. But in the end, it's going to come down to the good hearts of the people that are mourning. Listen to the stories of the families. Hold your children closer, because the real challenge is um, not to just fret that this could happen to your family. Maybe the bigger challenge is to make sure you're prepared in a way that you love your kids. Just like Robbie, he said that he left his daughter He told her how much he loved her, and he gave her a kiss goodbye, and he did it all in uh, the language of Portuguese, which was a language they were learning together. Um, But I think the neat thing for Robbie is even though his daughter's life was taken short, um, he at least had the relationship he needed to have. The challenge with each of us now is not just to be mad. Maybe the challenge now is to hold our kids closer Love them even more and uh, take care of them even more than we do. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to get in a little bit more to just uh, maybe some other possible solutions to find some peace. You listen to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. A simple trick grocery stores know makes healthier lunchtime choices easier for you. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. You've heard the joke about the seafood diet. I see food, and I eat it. The managers of a hospital cafeteria decided to see if how they color-coded and displayed healthier foods would affect what their customers would see and eat. Their results may not surprise a supermarket manager, but it's big news to managers of school cafeterias and other similar places. The cafeteria of Massachusetts General Hospital became a sort of lab experiment in how to get folks to order and eat healthier foods. The first experiment labeled everything with a red, yellow, or green tag to denote relative healthiness. This saved people the hassle and time to figure out and compare nutritional labels, and instead gave them a new way to make a simple, impulse choice for the healthier options. Step two was displaying the food so that the healthiest items were at eye level and less healthy foods were above or below the customer's initial line of sight. Such simple changes led to customers buying almost 25% less soda and almost 5% more of the healthy snacks and about 10% more bottled water. That's Food for Thought. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. For the eighth straight season, the Cougars are going bowling. Touchdown! Listen in on December 20th as BYU heads to the Poinsettia Bowl for a matchup with their old Mountain West foe, the San Diego State Aztecs. Cougars take the lead! The Poinsettia Bowl is on BYU Radio. December 20th, tune in at 6 p.m. Eastern Time for pregame coverage of BYU and San Diego State with kickoff scheduled for 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Here on your home for Cougar Sports. Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. 
We are, uh, we're only going to spend a little bit of time on the Connecticut tragedy and not because it doesn't deserve more time. But I think, honestly, you need something else to think about. And everywhere you go on the news and the media, I know you're dealing with it. And I just I, I think there's some things we, we really need to focus on. One of the things, again, that I was talking about in that first uh, segment is you if you feel profound pain because of this, if it's really rocked you, it's telling you something about you. And uh, it's telling you you're a great person. My truest, deepest, sincerest belief about humanity, this hasn't rocked it because I deeply believe that inherently inside of each of us is goodness. Um, I believe there are good, good people, and I believe um, there are other people that are, that are messed up for a variety of reasons. And I believe that doesn't have to diminish our goodness. And feeling sad and upset and hurt by this, it's normal. That's the normal thing to feel. You should feel that, especially if you love profoundly and if you love children and understand their value. And and um, this this should rock you. And it should also, I believe, um, if we if we choose to kind of to learn and grow from it and move on with it, that's the fastest way to heal this and to make it healthier. My concern is what we do is we all are frustrated, we're all hurting, and then we all grab our pet peeve um, issue and we start trying to solve it with our pet peeve issue. Some people have a pet peeve issue that the media is destroying the world. Now, you know what? As a person in the media, I totally agree with you. (laughs) We are totally destroying the world, and they shouldn't let us do it. So some go to the media, and we need to control the media because the media keeps sharing these stories, and these stories are going to create copycats. Totally agree. That could be influenced. Uh, We could get into gun control. No one would die if they didn't have any guns. Totally agree. And yet there are guns on this earth. Um, We could get into parenting. If parents were just better parents— we could totally start controlling more parenting. Maybe we could even get as, I don't know, as restrictive as not allowing people to have children, whatever. We can get into it. You can find a pet peeve argument in any of these. We can, we can get into blaming school security, and there's not enough money. We, our schools need more money. Totally agree. The reality is um, we can get into the mental health issue, that um, people with mental health issues need to be dealt with. Some would say we need to go back to institutionalizing and putting people in uh, uh, institutions that are like this, okay? Here's my point. This is a complex issue. Complex issues are not solved with one piece of legislation. Just like you can't legislate morality, you can't legislate sanity. There's not a perfect test. And um, one of the things I really would caution us against is making this too simple, making it just that he's an evil demon that did this. Some people that are deemed as demons are also mentally unfit. Some are mentally unstable. Some have not done anything wrong, and this is the first time they actually go out and do something horrific. Some have done something wrong 50 times. That's how complex this is. And so why I say that is maybe the issue— that we want and need to work on is at home. Maybe where we can focus our energy. We can always go work on any of these issues. You know, if you prefer one of these arguments over another, great. I highly suggest you go support it, fight for it, make it work, try to create legislation, whatever you want to do. And while you're at it, make sure your house is in order. You make sure that your neighbors and the kids that are hanging out with your children 
that uh, that you are connected to them. Um, make sure that you know who the the people that are struggling in your neighborhood, your friends are. You do what you can do. If we were all doing what we could do, if we were all kind of following more of just the light inside of us instead of blaming everyone else for the darkness, um, we might be creating more light in people. It doesn't mean, I mean, there's a lot of people that knew this boy and, and apparently knew that he couldn't, he was hard to reach. And yet um, I still I still honor them because they tried. And it wasn't just that people were not caring and paying attention. There's goodness in each of us. So I challenge you um, don't just sit back and complain now. Don't just sit back and be mad. We learned this after Columbine. We can all be disgusted and mad about what happened in Columbine many years ago, and yet here it repeats. And uh, what have you done differently? Do you know the kids in your, in your children's lives? Do you know your grandchildren's best friends? Do you know who they are? Do you make sure that you are doing what you can to offer a hand in the community? If you are retired, are you out there volunteering? Are you being um, part of the solution? Or are you just being a really verbal, vocal uh, person that's really frustrated with life? We, one of my favorite quotes, and you've probably heard me quote it here a million times, is from Gandhi, that we must become the change that we seek in others. If we want a safer world, then you need to make it more safe. If you want more appreciation in life, then you be more appreciative. If you want more respect of teachers, then respect teachers even more. Teach your children what respect is. Um, If you want to be more validated, learn to validate. If you want to have a life and a world that seems safer, then be a part of making a safer world. Um, And honestly, I think if most of us were just doing that in our own houses, in our own lives— it's not going to solve every problem, but it's sure going to change our level of peace, I think, for us. Are you hugging your kids goodnight and goodbye? Are you kissing them every day? Uh, are you learning how to communicate with a teenager that's non-communicative? Are you evaluating your own family mental health issues, or do you keep denying you have any, even though three people have been diagnosed? At some point, it's about us. And um, why I bring that up is because... Uh, the peace, and I've learned this just profoundly, is working with people. The peace is not in fixing everyone else. The peace is in me finding the peace. And um, the peace comes in forgiveness. The peace comes in me being what I need to be, not me hoping the world becomes a better place so it's better for me. So, you know, it's a little bit of a rant from Matt Townsend, but honestly, I think it's all we got. Now, um, just to go to this break, when we come back from this break, we're not going to be talking about the shooting anymore. What we're going to talk about is an issue that pretty much plagues a ton of kids out there. And uh, I want to get into it because if we if we can honestly address it, uh, I think we're in. We're into learning something really powerful. For example, did you know that 60 to 80 percent of our children quit sports before the age of 13? And I'm sure you're thinking it's because they just think they're no good at it. It's also because parents are a little messed up and don't know how to be good parents on the sidelines. So we're going to be talking about that when we get back. How do you, you know, effectively work with your children and make sure that, you know, they're learning, they're growing, they're not just being, you know, beat down when it comes to sports. We're going to be moving into parenting and sports. Before we do, one of my favorite songs by Kurt Bester. Uh, it's a prayer for the children, it's called. I heard it the other night at a concert, and uh, see if it moves you. Toward the light, cry, Jesus, help me to see the morning light of one more day. 
This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Hopes that progress can be made on the looming fiscal cliff are high after House Speaker John Boehner conceded on raising the debt ceiling. Boehner and President Obama met today and aides from both sides say it's likely a deal will be reached soon. Republican officials say Governor Nikki Haley will nominate Tim Scott to represent South Carolina in the Senate after Jim DeMint leaves the post. Scott will be the first black man to represent the state in over a century. After a weekend of national mourning for the victims of the horrific school shooting last Friday, families in Newtown, Connecticut gathered today to lay the first two victims to rest in what will be a long week of funerals and remembrance. A 22-year-old suspect in the Topeka, Kansas shooting of two police officers over the weekend has been killed after a shootout with authorities at a nearby home. In response to increasing gun crime, New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg is calling on President Obama to make gun control laws the top issue for the incoming Congress. Bloomberg's plan calls for background checks, banning assault rifles, and making gun trafficking a felony. The Air Force has approved the formal training of the 1st Squadron of F-35 fighter pilots who will also train as instructors and eventually teach future pilots how to fly the next-generation stealth warplane. In the Middle East, Syrian rebels have gained a strong enough hold for the regime vice president to say that neither side is likely to be victorious in the continuing conflict, which has taken over 30,000 lives. Egyptian protesters are vowing to continue their efforts against President Mohamed Morsi and the latest constitutional draft that he rushed to referendum. The document was victorious in the first round of public review over the weekend. That's the news to now on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Sam McCall. For regular updates on BYU Radio programming, sports, and other behind-the-scenes news, follow BYU Radio on Twitter. Just search for BYU Radio, hit follow, and enjoy our tweets on news, live updates on shows, and much more. Talk about good.
Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Okay, we are moving on to creating healthy kids. You know, all those cute little kidlets that like to play ball. Apparently, 40 million children a year sign up for Little League sports, and a good majority of them quit by the time they're 13. Uh, And a lot of that's just because it's just not fun anymore. So what we wanted to do, and some of the fun is being ruined by you, parents, and your grandparents, and, you know, parents just starting fights, creating problems. So we are bringing on Dr. Maria Newton, Ph.D., Associate Professor of Exercise and Sports Science at the University of Utah, who's going to help us uh, try to figure out a better way, a healthier way to uh, be a parent on the sideline, hopefully one that doesn't destroy our kids' psyche. So, Maria, Dr. Newton, are you there? I am here. Thank you so much for being on the show. Well, thanks for inviting me. This is such a, I think it's such an important topic. Like tonight, for example, 9 o'clock, I've got a basketball game to go watch my 17-year-old boy and his team of brutes play <laughs> basketball with other brutes. Um, and it's, you know, parents totally get in the way, don't they? Oh, they do. Um, you know, it's parents can be uh, a great asset to their kid playing sports, but then um, also, and unfortunately, we hear more about this than than we'd like. They can also really hinder a kid's development. You know, they really can. And we've had uh, we have our producer Madison Allred has been doing some research, just about some stories of people in Pee Wee football, little league sports, and the impact parents can have. Madison, welcome to the show. Thank you. So what I'm thinking is we let Madison tell us a few stories, and then we want your take on these, Dr. Newton. Certainly. Sounds like fun. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Well, it was certainly very easy to find a lot of stories about parents going nuts. Yeah. You know? Um, (laughs) Something that I just thought was kind of funny was um, this one story from Boston, a parent tossed from a high school hockey game for aiming a laser pointer at a goalie. Are you kidding? It totally... At the opposing goalie, I'm assuming. Yes. Yeah. Oh my it's heavens. so funny. Yeah, it was a girls' high school hockey team, um, and they were in the playoffs. You know, that's messed up. And then the one of the parents was, you know, oh, it's just so funny. I just like think, and when you look at the um, the laser pointer, like it's one of those that can damage your yeah. eyes. And so it's like, well, you know, in addition to the parent, you know, being stupid, you know, it's a high school hockey Holy game. Cow. You know? Have you heard of stuff like that, Dr. Newton? Oh, yeah. You hear about it all the time. And, you know, unfortunately, it seems to be getting more and more prevalent. You know, the more we really buy into sports and the more we really view it as, as the way that kids can get a college education is if their kid does very well in sports, they might get a scholarship. So, right. Unfortunately, that step tends to be on the uptick and not the downtick. Uh, uh, let's do a couple more, Madison. Okay. So there's one where it was a football um, football game. It was in Stockton, California. And, you know, a parent decided to stick up for their kid by tackling huh. the other player. The kid was 13 years old. So the, you know, the parent, I'm assuming this is the mother. Uh, no, it was the father. <laughs> it was the father? Okay. Yeah. Bad assumption. Um, yeah, it was just so funny because apparently another you know, kid just threw a late hit, you know, on his yeah. son. So I just So he just runs got out really and aggressive. tackles this guy. A 13-year-old kid. Yeah. Oh, man. Something that was really insane was um, in 2001, a Los Angeles youth soccer game uh, was a brawl involving 30 parents. Uh, just a 30. fight. Yeah, it was... Um, an assistant coach from one of the teams tried to pick a fight 
with another player during the game. I mean, I can kind of yeah. see how that would escalate. You know, he kind of be like, you know, you stop doing that. That parent gets mad. Maybe comes out onto the field, no. accidentally hits Goodness. another kid. Everyone gets mad. Um, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, a high school basketball referee um, had a parent body slam him. <laughs> yeah, it Jeez. was. Uh, it's too bad. Um, the reporter was saying that he might have considered asking for danger pay because oh you know, my heavens it's like a wrestling arena well i that's great good but, news i guess yeah i'm glad we've got dr newton here because honestly this is ma- i mean we had our own i'm sure you heard about here in utah where <laughs> they started fighting after a state game and the coach and the player but dr newton is this Okay, so part of it, I guess, is this heightened focus on sports. You know, it's that important. It's now going to be how we pay for school. Is this, I I guess, it's just happening more? Or are we just hearing about it more? Well, it's probably a little bit of both. I think, you know, the the number of kids participating in sports has increased. The number of girls that are participating has increased. Uh, The spotlight on girls' sports has increased. So that laser pointer in, in girls' hockey doesn't surprise me at all. And it's just, you know, you forget, um, it, parents tend to lack some perspective, right? So <laughs> yep. you know, the number one lesson to, to take to any event that your kid is participating in is it's their event and it's not yours. It's not about it's you. Not back. It's yeah. not about you. And, you know, sport, I study sport. And um, the reason I study it is because it's it's absolutely the best place to learn how to be a good human being. You bet. Unfortunately, it's also the best place to learn how to be um, kind of a not kind person. Mm. And so just that perspective of why we're out there, um, you tend to lose track of that. Well, and it seems seems even easier to lose track of there than maybe if you were dropping your kid off at the chess club, maybe. Because oh, yeah. just because the, the tension and the the testosterone and the reactivity and the the reactive brain that goes off in sports, I mean, it really oh, yeah. it's yeah. ugly. Well, and there is that notion of you know the great thing about sport is it is emotional. Yeah, people want to be there that they love it that they're invested in it. You know, there's not a crowd around a chess game. Right. Um, as much as we'd like there to be, right? But yeah. there isn't. So you have the crowd and the emotions. Uh, the really fascinating thing about sport is there is this notion of when I sit down to play a game of chess, the rules haven't really changed about how to be a human being. Right. But when I go to play hockey, the rules change. So when I go to play hockey, all of a sudden, you know, I can bump into people. I can knock them down. Um, the more violent sports really uh, promote a, a combative way of being right and so that gets really hard so where to draw the line becomes hard and i can get this i really understand this from a parent's perspective it's that we're engaged we're excited we're emotional my kid's doing it i really want my kid to do well and as you know they're violent out there and they're combative and i should be able to do the same thing Uh. and but we're adults you know and we should be able to sit down and go okay you know what goes on on the playing field uh it's a game, and we're, we're playing this sport. We're competing at it, but we're also playing at it. So let's just step back and go deep breath, deep breath. Yeah. Everybody's out here to show how good they are, to have a great time, to learn how to compete. Let's just remember those things. See, that takes uh, – I mean, that, that seems like the role of the adult, right? That we're going to – the adult's going to step in and, and kind of create the context – 
the boundary for the event, the game. You know, I, I, I see kids throwing fits now that, you know, my parents wouldn't have ever tolerated. And yeah. now it's just kind of a normal part of missing a layup. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it is. It's our job to set the boundaries and uh, think a little bit about what it is you'd like to uh, endorse and promote and condone in kids' behaviors, and particularly when they're playing sports because they're, you know, they're just so riled up. What a great teaching moment. What right. a great place to learn how to, how to deal with defeat, how to take something when it, when it doesn't go your way. It doesn't mean you can lash out. It doesn't mean you can scream and yell. Like, talk about teaching moments, you oh. know. That is it. And if you have a very good parent, you have a very good coach, that's why people get into coaching, because they understand. This is the time when I can really teach my kids about how it is, how to be a good person, how to win well, how to lose well, how to try hard, how to be dedicated, etc. That's you. Um, and that's the coach. I mean, it, it seems like, too, the coach can really set the tone. I mean, I've been on, I've had our kids on teams where the coach basically just sets the tone very clearly at the first of the season. And if you have a good coach, you have really usually a good year, oh, even if you're losing. Oh, completely, uh, completely. You know, those, that first day of tryouts or the first day of practice, it's fascinating to be on the sidelines and watch kids because they just look to the coach in terms of how do I behave, how do I react, what's appropriate behavior. And it's just modeling, and yeah. it's modeling 101. And, you know, really good coaches will model effort, it's all about effort. It's all about giving your best. And good parents will model the exact same thing. It really is okay if you didn't win or lose. If you tried your best and you're a little bit better today than you were yesterday, then we're good. And you know what? I can cheer for both sides as a parent because I'm here to watch good play, good effort, good character, good sportsmanship. I love that because uh, it, it's hard when – your kids may not have the natural gifts, but by teaching that it's about effort, there's this there's this line of hope. Like, you know, this isn't just about being inherently always talented. This sometimes is just about putting forth the effort. You can work harder. Yeah. And, well, you can always work harder. You can't control your ability so much. Right. Right. And what's the lesson that we want to transfer over to school and to work and to being a good community member? That you just... You give your 100% every day, and some days it's not going to go your way. And you know what? That's really, it's, it's okay. Um, but you engaged in the process, and you were part of it. Yeah. And participation and, and getting involved is the big thing. And it is such a socializing event. Um, I didn't realize it. My, so my son this year broke his arm playing football. Mm. And we all, we were rethinking the whole sports thing. Mm-hmm. You know, when he gets a, an ambulance ride to a hospital, it's like a block away. And um, we're paying $1,500, even though we went to the wrong hospital where they couldn't set it. So we then put him in our car and drove him to the hospital where they would set it. Um, we're rethinking the whole sports thing. But the more I've thought about it is it is it's the great it's kind of the great uh, campus of learning leadership and participation and socialization skills and knowing how to fit in and managing your temper and your emotions and having to exert. It's really a great little incubator. Oh, I think you state it really well. And, you know, when and how do kids learn? They don't learn when a parent's in their hip pocket. 
Right. Right. They don't learn when a parent's standing right over them, clapping when they do well and sneering at them when they do poorly. You know, that is, and that's what happens when you go watch tonight. That is what you're going to see is you're going to see a lot of cheering when the ball goes in the basket. Yeah. Instead of, you know, again, that's, that's focus on the effort and encouraging and being positive and both sides, both sides. And it's okay. Everybody's here to learn the same things, but I completely agree with you. It's the best place we have right now. If done well. Right. Um, it has potential to just shape people into very um, goal-oriented team players, and we want that in society. I, I love that too, and it's. You know, I also like that it's kind of. Um, it's such a subtle way that uh-huh. they don't know they're learning it. The, yeah, it, and they're doing something they love. Yeah, and they're you know yeah. they're and they're be, and they're working off energy. And mm-hmm. they're learning leadership. Like, I, how many times have we had a, one of our kids come back and say, I don't like it when he plays me here. It's like, this isn't even my job. This is someone else's job. And, and I'm like, well, go tell him. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to yeah. go tell him? You want, oh, now you want me involved to go tell him? No. Okay, then let me teach you how to go tell the coach. So mm-hmm. it's actually a powerful thing. Tell yeah, me, completely. Tell me this, though. Um, what, are we, what are we missing I mean, you know also the impact it's having on the kids. So Mm -hmm. what are some of the byproducts of this over-controlling parenting? Oh, kids drop out, number one. You know, it's the worst outcome that you can have is that kids turn away from sport because they do feel their parents breathing down their neck, and they feel like their worth as a child is linked to how well they do on the playing field. Right? So yeah. if I do well, so if the kids who win tonight, just look how their parents relate to them. The kids who lose tonight, look how their parents relate to them. Yeah. They're, they're going to be diametrically opposed. Oh, so the one, the one thing they do is they drop out. Another thing you get is um, a lot of stress. And that stress doesn't help performance. It doesn't, it doesn't make participation fun or engaging for the kid right. either. So they tend to turn away. And when they turn um, away, they're, again, not learning to manage stress. And they're not learning all those things we mentioned. And, you know, the big elephant in the room for people who are interested in overall health is that, you know, kids are not moving in our society these days. They're sedentary. They're obese. And what a great way to keep kids um, fit and moving and active and of a healthy weight is to keep them engaged in sport. And if we have them dropped off, drop out, then they're turned off. Oh, I love love that solution. I mean, really, um, let's do this. Let's take a break. We're talking Mm -hmm. to Dr. Maria Newton uh, from the University of Utah. She's Associate Professor of Exercise and Sports Science about how to be the supportive parent we need to be to keep our kids in sports, in activities like that, so that they can keep themselves moving. We'll take a break. We'll be back with more ideas on how to be a better parent. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. A 27-year-long race through the human bloodstream may be approaching a big finish for the prize of a host of cures. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. 
Dan Carter started exploring processes of protein crystal growth in space at NASA Marshall Space Flight Center in 1985. Over the years, his NASA research led to key discoveries on the structure of a major protein found in human blood plasma called albumin. Carter licensed the research from NASA and formed his own company to develop that knowledge into improved chemotherapy drugs. You see, human serum albumin helps transport substances through your blood, but it's also known to absorb portions of drug treatments and make them less effective. By understanding details of the albumin crystals, researchers can tailor drug molecules to be safer and more effective as they interact with albumin. Carter's company, New Century Pharmaceuticals, developed an extensive research database called KDEX that helps scientists worldwide in shaping molecules to fix diseases in more than two dozen categories, including cancers and autoimmune disorders. Albumin is also a component of healthy young skin, and as a side project to their goal of stamping out major diseases, Carter's company is also using their knowledge to engineer a cosmetic wrinkle treatment that restores albumin. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. I finally come to think of the Aurora Borealis as a welcoming door or threshold. And flying through it, which I've done countless times, a pure joy. I could easily take you there, of course, and then you'd know the feeling. In fact, it's nearly time to go again. We'll air daily episodes of The Christmas Chronicles at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're talking about the age-old issue of being the parent on the sideline while you're uh, trying to, you know, some of us are trying to coach our kid. No, do this. We're yelling at our kid. And we might be creating a disincentive for them. We're talking with uh, Dr. Maria Newton, Associate Professor of Exercise and Sports Science at the University of Utah. And uh, she's been giving us some great insight into the problems of this and, and just the real impact it has. So, Dr. Newton, welcome back to the program. Again, glad to be here. It's, uh, the, I mean, the cost, the, it sounds like the overwhelming impact of parents that are being too, I guess, uh, demanding is dropping out, kids dropping out, their, their sense of self-worth just plummets. Stress goes up. I mean, it, it sounds like the combination, like the, it just, it sounds like a really bad storm. The perfect it is, storm. isn't it? It's the perfect storm, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, the, yeah, the, the moment really they is. need self-worth and self-identity and, and de-stressing and weight loss and, and getting healthy, there we, we might as parents be driving them the opposite direction. Well, it's the ultimate irony, because I'm sure parents love their kids and they're absolutely certain everything they are doing is helping, helping yeah. the kids, when in, re- in reality, it's really, they're turning them off. So mm-hmm. it's just a matter of, let's step back, look at our own behavior, what ways can I support their engagement as opposed to kind of um, turn it off. Is um, It's interesting, as I think of this, uh, the, the, tell me about the money issue, because um, it, it's like just me and my children playing Little League football, it's $500 a head. Basically, that's a lot of money, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah. that's if you want to have the spirit pack. But if you don't want to have the spirit pack, it's cheaper. But so, of course, we would want spirit if we were going to play on a team. 
There, yeah, there's no way to get spirit unless you pay for it. <laughs> you need the T-shirt and you need the gloves and everything. Oh. It's, it's, it's a business now, isn't it, though? Well, and again, when you write that check, what, what are you thinking when you give that over? Right? You're thinking, all right, come on now. I just laid down a chunk of change. My boy better play. Now, he better play. He better play well. Yeah. And when he plays well, you know what? I'm a better parent. Because everybody's going to look at me because my kid is good. Yeah, he went. Yeah, and, he went all state. Exactly, and boy, that gets really dangerous. Because in on one hand, you know, I can totally understand. You pay a lot of money, you want something out out from it. Yeah. But you really do have to step back and go, okay, this is you know, I have some some coin in the game here, but I have to I have to let the coach coach. I have to be a supportive parent. Well, and what is my goal? Is my goal my, that my child becomes socialized, stays healthy, feels a part of a team, learns skills, manages his emotions? Are those my goals, or is my goal that he, you know, that he's playing in the position I did when I was in Little League? Exactly. And, you know, a, another kind of irony or paradox here is if the parent supports all those things that you just mentioned, ultimate effort, being a good team member, learning leadership, um, communicating well with everybody. You know, he can also win. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) He can also, all of those things, being on and doing all of those things will lead to the scholarship, will lead to the outcome types of goals that a lot of parents have. Right. It's not that you have to be a tyrant for the scholarship to happen. In fact, you're more likely not to have that happen. Yeah, it seems it seems like the ones that kind of are more naturally just adept and gifted, they they just seem a little more relaxed about the whole thing. They're, they they yeah. don't seem as caught up and as I mean maybe they are and we're not seeing it, but they just seem more like, you know, it's just what we yeah. do. Yeah, there's a lot of investment there, but maybe there's a little perspective. Yeah. And that, you know, the, it's not a straight line from here to there, and there's going to be good days and bad days, and it's all, that's why we signed up, to have the good days and to have the bad days. But when I drive home at, after the game, after the practice, and I pick up my kid, what's the first thing I say to them when they jump in the seat? Do mm. I say, you know, how many points did you score? Or do I say something on the order of, um, how hard did you work today? Oh, that's such fun? a great question. You know, who did you support today? Yeah. And because you're the model, yeah. and a, a, a coach can say that in the huddle, too. A coach can say, you know, I look you in the eye and say, you know, I saw you were given 100% today. Do you know how awesome that is? That is huge, isn't yeah. it? It is. It is. And, you know, the kids you get into the car, you've got that 10 minutes going home. Yeah. And, you're, and the kid is all riled up. You know, and they're all thinking about I did well or I did poorly, and they want your pat on the back. They want you to support them. And when you say something like, you know, God, you just really didn't do well today. Yeah, what was your deal? Yeah, what was your deal? (laughs) I can't believe I paid money for you to do this, right? Uh, Yeah. Most parents have said that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, Oh, gosh, you want to put a a pin in a balloon. That is it. It's interesting. Yeah, it's this, pop. It's done. But this works just as well with violin. Yes. This, the, the, I mean, yes. it's it's just you're just using psychology, but it's sports. It's kind yeah. of motivation psychology. It's it's it works with anything that our kids are trying to achieve. 
It does, doesn't it? Yeah. It's cool. I mean, you want to be supportive. You yeah. want to encourage. You want to pick out some things that they're doing well and, and just feed that monster. And you want to encourage effort. What's the one thing a kid can control? Well, they can control two things in their life. They can control how much effort, and they can control their attitude. So when I work with kids, those are the two things I'm forever encouraging them and supporting them. You know, I really saw that you were helping out a teammate. That is excellent. I really love that attitude that you bring. Right. Right? And what's like, whoa, they kind of walk away and go, okay, maybe this is how I need to behave. That I mean, honestly, that's that's the spirit of, um, I guess it's appreciative. We're finding out what's good. I know I could say, well, yeah, hey, you, you, you missed that tackle on third down. You know, that cost a touchdown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Boy, I hadn't noticed that, even yeah. though the coach brought it up 15 times. But thank you for pointing that out. Uh-huh. But, you know, if you focus on, hey, I really appreciated that effort. That was a really cool effort you made on that guy on this one down, even though you weren't able to catch up with him. You sure tried. Yeah, you sure tried. We'll get him next time. Yeah. Fun to play him next time. You know, we got a lot of practice time between now and then. I can't wait to work with you on something. That's great. You know, a kid, kid will be coming back to practice after that. Well, and that's, I mean, it really is, it's almost like our goal, especially just in the wake of all of these tragedies, um, I mean, our goal should be to keep as many people in as we can, right? Keeping them active, keeping them involved, getting them into these activities, and it seems like we're kind of so, I don't know, we, we put so much pressure on them that they're jumping as fast as they can to get out, and then we look around like, what is going on at this world? Exactly. You know, the bottom line is, and you do, you reflect on what happened last week, the end of last week of the shootings, and and you think, well, what is the bigger picture? The bigger picture is we need to care for one another. We need to support one another. We need to be there for one another. And if we can do that, and if we can be a sense of community, if we can do that in sport, you know, sport does not matter in the big scheme of things. But it does in a little respect because you're going to go to that game tonight you're going to be all excited. The kids are going to be excited. But that's the time when you need to squeeze a kid's shoulder and go, you know, I am so proud of you tonight. Mm. Win that's or lose. Oh, Win yeah. or lose. Pat them on the back. Yeah. And, and uh, have them all identify that they, you know, they still contributed. Everyone can contribute on that team. Let's take a break with Dr. Newton. Uh, Dr. Maria Newton, Associate Professor of Exercise and Sports Science. She's helping us be better parents on the sideline. Uh, We're going to come back. Dr. Newton, if you'd be thinking about um, solutions, what else should we be doing as parents that would make a big difference? Also, how do we as parents assess if we're really helping or hurting? Uh, That might be a great thing to address as well. We'll be back with more solutions and ideas right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. KBYU-FM, HD2, Provo. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. Hopes that progress can be made on the looming fiscal cliff are high after House Speaker John Boehner conceded on raising the debt limit for at least another year. Boehner and President Obama met today and aides from both sides say it's likely a deal will be reached soon. 
Republican officials say Governor Nikki Haley will nominate Tim Scott to represent South Carolina in the Senate after Jim DeMint leaves the post at year's end. Scott will be the first black man to represent the state in over a century. The Newtown, Connecticut community is banding together today as the first of 26 funerals takes place after last Friday's tragic school shooting. Police are still in the town to make certain no further tragedy befalls the morning morning residents. A 22-year-old suspect in the Topeka, Kansas shooting of two police officers over the weekend has been killed after a shootout with authorities at a nearby home. In response to increasing gun crime, New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg is calling on President Obama to make gun control laws the top issue for the incoming Congress. Bloomberg's plan calls for background checks banning assault rifles and making gun trafficking a felony. The Air Force has approved the formal training of the first squadron of F-35 fighter pilots who will also train as instructors and eventually teach future pilots how to fly this next-generation stealth war plane. In the Middle East, Syria's vice president is now calling for a historic settlement to the civil war and a national unifying government after admitting he thinks neither side can win the war. Egyptian protesters are vowing to continue their efforts against President Mohamed Morsi and the latest constitutional draft he rushed to referendum. The document was victorious in the first round of public review over the weekend. That's the news to now on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're talking about parenting from the sideline and getting your getting your goals straight when your children are playing sports. Nothing can destroy their sports experience uh, and sporting experience. And by the way, probably instrument and band and every other thing that they're involved in more than a parent that just doesn't know how to validate, how to get into recognizing the effort and the attitude about it. We're talking with Dr. Maria Newton uh, from the University of Utah. She's an exercise and sports psychologist, um, really just knows her stuff. We appreciate you being again with us here, uh, Dr. Newton. Yeah, it's a great conversation. It's uh, it really is so valuable because, you know, I just don't think we educate parents enough on what to do and what not to do. It's we just kind of assume that they would know how to do it. Now all these little leagues are making the parents sign a code of conduct. uh, That you're a great idea. Don't you think? I think all of that. Well, and just to touch base, because, you know, it would be great when you sign your kid up to have a, uh, an organizational meeting. Yeah. And it's hard to get parents together. It's, it's, a, it's a pain to, you know, drive in at 7 p.m. after work and go listen to a coach talk. But, you know, it's that time when the organization, the coach, can really share their philosophy. And you as a parent can see if this is the type of league you want your kid in. Yeah. Do they even and have a philosophy? Yeah, do they even? Exactly. And to sign that little agreement that says, boom, I'm going to treat my kids this way, this is how I'll behave at um, games and at practices, that's good stuff. Oh, it's really good stuff. I remember my, I I hadn't been to a practice of one one of my children, and I show up, and um, they kind of knew that I have a radio show, and I have a doctorate in all this human development stuff, and one of the coaches was yelling at one of the kids. 
and it was his kid. And he looked over at me, and I looked at him, and he looked, like, so embarrassed. And he actually apologized to my wife that he was yelling at his son. And I, I thought, okay, well, okay, you're forgiven. <laughs> Except I'm thinking, it's your son. And um, it's just, it's almost like, I don't know. We don't know what we're doing. So give us some ideas. What are some things that are pretty good indicators that maybe as a father or a mother or a parent that you've gone too far? And what are some other solutions that you see? Some you've already talked about is focus on the attitude and the effort. Not always focus on the end result of a win or a loss, which is where we tend to go, or a number, a touchdown, or how many yards the kid won or earned. Um, But maybe focus on effort and attitude, two things we can always at least um, appreciate. What else should we be focusing on? Well, if you're a parent, I would always, you know, you're always keeping track of your kid. And I would be really cognizant of their nonverbals when you're there. Mm. Are they, um, are they kind of, when you're up screaming for them up in the audience, are they kind of turning away? Um, are they a little bit embarrassed that you're there? Do, are the conversations home in the car ride, are they, are they one way? Yeah, right. <laughs> is, the kid, is the kid pretty mute? Um, you want to have uh, an open line of communication. You want to be talking about, you know, having fun. This is supposed to be fun. So yeah. if, if the nonverbals are pleasant, if they're open, if they're uh, positive, they have positive affect attached, then that's good. But you can really see when a kid is, when the, you know, there's a little dark cloud above them. Yeah. And you have to really watch yourself at that point. And are they bringing it to you? Like when I, when a kid comes off, one of my kids will run off the field. If he looks over at me, like, did you see that? And I'm like, yeah, I saw that. (laughs) Um, It's a pretty cool moment. And you also Mm -hmm. know that I, cause I felt it with the exact same kid after I get down on him, then he'll just stand on the sideline and never look over. Then yeah. that nonverbal is telling me, okay, I've gone too far. Well, and the kid wants, what do they want more than anything? There could be a, uh, you know, we even see it in pro sports. Something good happens yep. and the athlete looks to that one person and they look to mom or dad. I don't care how famous you get. You want your mother and father to give you a nod. Right. And they want you to say, they want, I don't care how old you are. You want them to say, it's going to be okay. Yeah. You did great. And so if you're a parent, if those two things can come out of your mouth after every game you watch your kid play, because your kid, you know, their timeline and time frame and head is all, yeah. it's not like ours. That oh, game so tonight is the most important thing in their life. It's, so, it's so true. Even when they were yeah. taking my son off the field in an ambulance, <laughs> when I got to the hospital and we were setting his arm, the first thing he said to me before we put him under was, um, Dad, I didn't even cry. Like I, so he's now actually giving me his play-by-play of his broken arm. You know, he would have told me, "Hey, I was." He actually was running for a touchdown, and then he got tackled and fell on his arm. But um, he he was so proud of at least the fact that he handled the break okay. But it was he was really trying to please me still. Exactly. Yeah, they are, and you know, let's just roll with that. Right. Let's not shut it off. No. Right. So. So they're looking at you. The faucet is on. Yep. And if you turn the other way, if you yell at them, if you just give them a bad nonverbal, that the faucet's off. Mm-hmm. And so let's just deal with that interaction with care. 
and um, take it in the right direction. Because kids are kids. They're hard to deal with. You know, oh, adolescents yeah. are just very, they're on and off, on and off, on and off. But they want something solid from a parent. Keep the faucet on. Yeah. That is such a great, that is, that is, huh? You've got them venting. You've got them open. Keep it open. Keep the lines open. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're going, well, you know, I had such a great day. Did you see when I did that? And a parent says, yeah, but you know, you really just, you didn't set that, you didn't make that tackle. Yeah. Boom. You're done. Yeah. (laughs) Never mind, Dad. over. (laughs) Well, doesn't everybody relate to that? Because we all remember when our parents shut the faucet off on us at least once and we roll our eyes and we're like, oh, whatever. Oh, geez. Not them again. (laughs) That's so true. So watching the nonverbals, that's big. Yeah. Watch the nonverbals, you know, and just, it's a game. That's, it's a simple piece of advice, but, um, it is still a game and it's not a job. Um, they're not at work, and a game is supposed to be played on some level. So even uh, in the stands, it's kind of interesting to take a deep breath and go, you know, okay, this is a game, and it's fun, and I enjoy being here. So that separation. That's huge. How mm-hmm. much should you control it? Like, I know that when we drop our, or take our kids to sports, we always end up having to remind them to get ready, remind them to do their pants up, remind them to pick their helmet up. Do you have your mouth guard? Did you bring water? We have to keep doing that. Are there ways that we could, and then I think it kind of makes everyone ornery because we're controlling it. How far do we push just, you know, letting them forget stuff, letting them fail a little bit? Well, I do wonder, you know, developmentally, if they're super young, then you do. You have to be kind of... (laughs) yeah. You're you're carrying everything for them and doing everything for them. But at a certain point in time, you know, you progress a little bit. They get a little bit more independence. But if they're at, a, at an age when they should really have their act together and they don't, right. they're, they're controlling you a little bit. Yeah. And it's at that point where I would step back and go, okay, someone's going to fail today. <laughs> and we're, we're okay with that. It could and, be me or them. Yeah, and just recognize that. How are you going to deal with that? I'm not going to, you know... I'm going to allow them not to play in this game tonight because they're not going to remember any of their gear. Right. And here's lesson number one, you know, when you go to a job interview, you better be ready. Yeah, <laughs> you, I think that's you great. you got to tie your tie. And now I have no problem with that. Those are the lessons that are really fun. Mm-hmm. You know, kids are supposed to learn how to be independent, and, and sport is a great way to do that. Um, I, I so think that, yeah, you I see these pro athletes, too, that where entitlement kind of comes in. And it seems like the better these kids start getting, the more entitled they might start feeling as well. I mean, is there is there any worry about having these children be too entitled just because they're the um, jock? Oh, yeah. I have um, a lot of issues with this and, and Division One sports. Mm. Uh, there is just – it's very hard – because there's so much pressure on athletes at the Division One level. There's so much pressure on coaches and at the end universities to put the product on the court right? and to have a winning product. So a coach will do anything in their power to control everything. And so what that results in is kids at, at the Division One, so at BYU and at the U, um, they don't choose their classes. They don't choose their majors. Really? To go. Yeah. And so you really get, and if you're, so if you're a kid and you go through that for four years, you come out entitled. Yeah. And it's, it's the system that kind of makes it that way. I, I have a hard time being 
Although, you know, I have a hard time being hard on athletes who are entitled, but at some point you do have to just grow up yeah. to be mature. Well, I see um, it with marriages and coaching and working with couples because then they bring this entitlement to their marriage, but they're marrying a, a human that's got their own attitude and their own personality, and it, 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 they're going to learn it one day or another. Well, and I think, you know, the best things that are learned are learned in youth and adolescent sports. When yeah. you get to the collegiate level, high-level collegiate and professional level, you're not learning great things yeah. unless, you know, unless you're just very insightful. You've got somebody like, you know, Roger Federer playing tennis who just seems to have his act together, yeah, Tom Brady totally. who can see the bigger picture. But yep. the majority of athletes are kind of stuck in, professional athletes are stuck in an adolescent mind frame. Oh, isn't that, that's so true. Mm-hmm. And they, they've kind of, they just learned this little pattern of getting what they want. Yeah, yeah. Which was interesting, yeah. And, and, I mean, that gets into the other issues of late with the NFL athlete that, you know, mental health issues and, and depression and uh, with so many, 75% of the NFL carrying guns or whatever the statistic was. I mean, it's it's a big, it, this gets into life. This is life. And what we learn as a kid, I remember vividly the lessons as a child seriously playing out in my life day to day. Yeah, you learn them on, you, you do, you learn them on the playing field. Yeah. You know, you learn them in your backyard when, you know, when, when I was young and, and you were young, we did just play in the backyard. And <laughs> so mom and dad weren't there. So right. There were fights, you know, and the, but you worked it out. Yeah. And now mom and dad are helicopter parents because they kind of, it's, it's a different culture, it's a different dynamic. Totally. And so kids are never given the opportunity to just learn and settle, settle it all on your own. Yep. Grow up, learn, <laughs> and I think the more that we can encourage that uh, in sport, uh, those are the best lessons. I don't I think totally you learn agree. them when you're in college or professional. Love it. Well, anything else? Give us one more thing. What's the one thing? If you think about all of your experience, what's the one thing that you find for parents is makes the biggest difference? If you had one piece of advice to leave us with. Model what you want. If you want a kid raging out of control, then go for it. But I don't think you do. I think you want a kid who is compassionate, who works hard, has a great attitude. And so if you want that out of your kids, you do those three things. You do them when they're at sport, when they're at practice, when they're in school, when you're in your own home. Model, model, model. Model, model. Good work. Dr. Maria Newton uh, from the University of Utah Professor of uh, Exercise and Sports Science. Thank you so much for joining us. My that was kids, really a lot of fun. My Thanks kids are going to love you. <laughs> Have fun tonight. Thank you so much. Again, appreciate it. Really, uh, model, model, model. And everything she says applies to everything that's going on all over the country. Connecticut, you name it. Parents, let's model, let's model, let's model. Now, uh, before we... Um, Actually, let's take a break. When we'll come back, we'll take a break. And when we come back, we've got a little bit from our great producer, Bryce Tobin, that you just got to hear. It's just one of those. It's just going to rock your world. We'll be back to wrap up the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. A new recipe for thermoelectric materials is hot stuff for making power from heat that's normally wasted and much more. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. 
Materials that can change electricity into heat and vice versa are called thermoelectrics. If your car has heated seats, you may be sitting on some thermoelectrics right now. A lot of research has been going into perfecting the heat into power side of how thermoelectrics work, and a new approach by scientists at Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute holds the key to a massive jump in efficiency for this material. What RPI has done is to cook up a new recipe for making these substances from scratch. Instead of just crushing existing crystals, they grew their own. By combining the raw elements with a sulfur base, RPI's formula creates a nanoscale material with many more potentially loose electrons in it. Excite the material with heat, and these electrons flow. About 25% more than ever before. This new material may convert waste heat from your car exhaust into power for the radio, or end up in pocket-sized portable refrigerators or computer chip air conditioners. Heating or cooling jobs now done by machines may soon go solid state. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Welcome back, my friends. We're wrapping up the show about how to really work your kids over on the sideline. Actually, we've been trying to talk about how not to do that. But, of course, Bryce has got his own take on this, how to mortify your kids. You know, maybe you don't try to embarrass your kids, but sometimes you might do it even though you have the best intentions. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is The Bryce is Right. Hey, it's good to support your kids, right? Well, of course it is. And extracurricular activities are good for kids too, right? Well, in the very least, they certainly can be. But how do some parents manage to do it oh so wrong? Well, it's not always their fault. As a former teenager, I can confirm that parents don't actually have to do something in order for kids to claim embarrassment. Simply existing is sometimes all it'll take. But some parents are overachievers when it comes to mortification. So what I have for you is an example from my past on the best way to mortify your kids. Rewind the clock back to when I was in fourth grade. That year, I was playing some Little League baseball for my first and only year. I was pretty awful. Like, I got the most improved award at the end of the season. You know, the award also known as the You Were Really Bad But Now You Aren't So Bad Anymore award. But one of my games in particular stands out from all the others. In our league, we had a rule about overthrows. Should the pitcher throw the ball and the catcher not catch it, if you're on base, you can try and steal the next base. This was very common. Keep in mind, most of us were between 9 and 10. One time there was an overthrow that got overthrown again, and our guy on third ran to home plate. He scored, and it was pretty cool because we hadn't seen that before. But the other team's coach took umbrage with this turn of events and walked rather forcefully out to the umpire yelling that you can't steal home on an overthrow. The yelling was fine at first because everyone was still yelling from all the excitement, but as we died down, he didn't. In fact, he started yelling more, and instead of continuing to discuss the matter, he just kept yelling, you can't steal home on an overthrow, over and over, as if he was on repeat. Now, I don't know the rules of baseball concerning this, especially the Little League variation, but even if the other team's coach was right about our infraction, he handled the situation in probably the worst way possible. Everyone was embarrassed for him, and so was his son, who was on his own team. He had this look on his face, and every time I think about it, I cringe. Ah! Right in the feels, every time. We all just wanted him to stop. We didn't care about the issue. His son was begging him to just stop talking. 
parents from both sides of the stands got out and were gently shoving him off the field. But through all of this, he kept with his mantra, you can't steal home on an overthrow. From then on, kids called them overthrow and overthrow's dad. Okay, I may have made that last part up, but kids are merciless about this stuff, so it wouldn't surprise me if this happened anyway. And let's not forget the most important part. We won that game. By a lot. So in all reality, that home run wasn't crucial. He made a big deal out of absolutely nothing. Well done, sir. All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. Good work, Brycey. Now the deal, though, and you don't understand this because you're not a parent, but all parents reserve a right to humiliate their children. Oh, that's part of the like. Oh yeah. The the I made you contract. Uh-huh. I, I get to embarrass you, you whenever. And I can make another one that looks just like you. Ah, uh, Doctor Cosby. But until Cosby then, said that. I'm going to just. Um, that's Doctor Cosby. <laughs> I until then, I'm just going to embarrass you. Uh huh. I will wear. Uh, dark socks with my shorts. And puffy pants. And I will wear puffy pants that I tie at the knees <laughs> that I think looks hot. I don't see the problem. I will probably wear shirts uh, that are too old and too tight. And they'll make my belly look bigger than it really is. And I do it because I love you. Look, Matt, you only have so much time with kids, all right? <laughs> don't and, embarrass them. And if you, and if, no, you only have so much time in which you can embarrass them. That's true. Because see, then they turn 18 and they can just drive away yeah. or move to another state or, you know, do whatever. And you don't have these opportunities. Right now, see, they live in the same house. They can't get away. That's a profound point. So I've got to pick my game up. <laughs> profound or terrifying? I don't know because mine are starting to leave. So, But I, there's other ways to embarrass them. You can – when they bring a date over, you just can start making up facts that aren't accurate about your children. Absolutely. And then they have to sort it out on the date. Stuff like that. You can um, – I always like to honk and wave when my kids are walking somewhere. Uh, see, that's pretty good. Because then that's... everyone looks over and they just – dad's waving. Yep. You know what I mean? I also like to yell out, good job, like when they're singing and stuff. boy, Jake! You're, you're the choir heckler? I'm the choir heckler. You're that guy? Even though the choir director's like, can we have some decorum here? And then Mr. Townsend's always like, boy, Jake! Way to sing that D! Yeah. Yeah. I have a way with my kids. I don't know. A method, just, a method to your madness. I have a method to my madness, and it's – I think it's working. Because they're um, they have incredible respect for me, <laughs> and they don't even need me to be at every one of their events. Oh, they're okay if I hardly ever come. <laughs> I don't know why. Could I could I tell you a funny story real fast? Yeah. So one time I was in a band and it was pretty bad. Like a marching band? No. Okay. Like Rock a garage roll. band. Yeah. And uh, I was. They asked me to be the lead singer. Well, I had never yeah. done that before. Well, you've got some pipes. It was it was pretty bad. All right. Just <laughs> looking back on the tapes, that was it was not. The best performance I've ever yeah. done. So I do the show and then I'm leaving, whatever. And then I run into my parents at home and they've got the like stamps on their wrist from the show. And they're like, we were there and we recorded it. We were so proud of you, son. And I, right, and I was like, um, you mean you were there <laughs> with the people at school who could have seen you? <laughs> I was like, no, this is too far, parents. Too oh, far. See, too but, far. But you know what? That's the magic of parenting right there. Because <laughs> now you will always know that mom and dad were there for you. <laughs> even though. Even though you didn't want them there. Even though it may have been worse because they were. Yeah. Because it would have been great if like that show had happened and then like it had been forgotten mm-hmm. in time. Like tears yeah, no. in the rain. Well, no, now it's been recorded. <laughs> and now that there's YouTube and all these things. It can be if available the, if your to parents everyone. If had any technological sense, it would be online by now. 
thankfully, so far we're good. So I'm going to actually call them <laughs> and ask them if they have the video still. Because uh-huh. I would love to hear that. Okay, good stuff. Rob Sanders, our great producer, has got uh, a couple more tips for us as parents. He uh, pulled these off the interweb for how you, um, I think, how you be a better parent on the sidelines. Is that right, Rob? There's all kinds of great advice if you just put in a topic on YouTube. Somewhere there's some mom who just turned the webcam on her laptop and just started talking to it. Really? And some of them are actually quite good. Yeah. (laughs) Not that one, though. Okay, so if you see the one where the lady's talking to the camera, that's not the good one. Well, in this case, the lady lives in a – she describes herself as living in a a house where her husband was big into sports. And all her boys were big into sports. Sounds like heaven. She learned very quickly to adapt and be a sports mom. (laughs) And watching all the other sports moms, she picked four rules to try to maintain – your dignity yes. when you're at the ballpark. And okay. it fits in very well with what our guest uh, talked about today. Good. Number one, don't wear poor sportsmanship's sportswear. So hmm. that, for instance, what are you, what's on your T-shirt? Uh, you mean right now? Well, you, you know, you're <laughs> going to a ball game tonight. Oh, the... oh, tonight I'll wear my kids the best. Your kids are horrible. Yeah. Take that. That could possibly foster an environment. That's my favorite shirt, by the way. And that's the one that's too small. And, I'll, and I'll, yeah. so along like with that, my the, uh, that shirt, yeah, posters shirt. that you bring along. Yeah, don't bring posters. Yeah, they won't even let us bring cowbells. Okay. So I have to leave my cowbells in the car. No All more right. cowbell. Yep. Number two, sometimes some parents bring a little bit of uh, refreshment with uh, them. Uh, They'll they hide imbibe. it in a coffee mug or something. Yes. Where they, but she says everybody knows and it doesn't help. You can't, yeah. You can't drink your kid into a touchdown. What, yeah. what, what parents need? Um, <laughs> That's a at, given. At a game like like this, is a little less judgment, right? Yes. A little less judgment. If you're going to um, bring a food or a beverage, it should be humble pie. It's right. It's she says to well, it's hard enough not to lose your cool when your kid gets exactly. a call against exactly. them. Yes. And if you've brought a little refreshment with you in that coffee mug that wasn't... That wasn't even real coffee. You could might be find yourself a little bit more on top of that. So don't make True. it hard for yourself. True. Show up sober. Good like point. Number three, don't ridicule your kids. No. Their coach. It's their coach's fault. Always go it's the after coach's the coach. job to ridicule the kids. Yeah. No. Let the coach rip the but, kids apart. But the game, I mean, and when the point she makes is when the kid strikes out, the worst person, uh, worst feeling person yeah. on that entire field is that kid. Yeah. Rubbing it in doesn't help. But by the way, rubbing it in doesn't help, nor just saying, hey, it's okay, Timmy. Uh-huh. You're not a loser. Mommy still loves you. Mommy thinks I'm a loser. That's just as bad as rubbing it in. That's, yeah. That's you rubbing got, it out. You got to be somewhere in the middle. It's the it's yeah. the you're either way. It's not going to be good. Yeah. Next time. Yeah. Next time. What's our fourth rule? And finally, don't get involved with the politics. Sports moms, oh. sports dads. Yeah. They get together and go. Yeah. Did you hear what's going on with that coach? I tell you, he can't coach worth the darn. And yeah. I know why because he dropped out of college. And <laughs> oh, really? I didn't know that. I, it's just you know what? You or or other parents or players. Like, did you know he's not really fourteen years old? No. He's actually fifteen. He See, should be in the other league. That's what the team mom is for. You, you just, don't even need to get involved. Let the team mom do with the politics. Nip the politics in the bud. Yeah, and just enjoy the sport. See, that's great. Nobody advice. is getting. I mean, the umpires are not getting paid thousands of dollars no, to blow they're, calls. They're like my son's in age. little league no, sports. It's not good.
Someone's going to lose an eye. Good stuff, Rob. See? It's great when a plan comes together. So as we wrap up the show, we've been on this crazy journey, talked about uh, the Connecticut shootings um, in Newtown, and then we talked about being a good parent on the sideline. You know what? I'm pretty much convinced they're connected. Uh, You may not have power to go change the entire gun lobbying world. You may not have power to tighten up all the security around for all the schools of the country. But you do have power to influence positively your children. You have the power to help build their self-esteem, to give them a sense of hope right now. I'd hold your kids close. And uh, some of the advice that Dr. Newton gave us, keep the faucet open meaning keep the conversations going. If they bring you concerns or issues about anything in their life or even about the shootings or about their, um, their what's happening on the field with their coach, keep the faucet open. They don't necessarily usually need your advice as much as your ear to listen. Make sure you remember it's a game. Focus on the things that are working. We don't always just have to draw out the things that aren't working. Most of us know what didn't work, Dad, but thanks for your insight. And uh, remember, effort and attitude really matter, and we need to be there to show that we care, we support, and that there's a sense of community. This is what parenting is all about, and it gets played out on the field, and then eventually it gets played out in our lives. I challenge you, step up. Be the parent. Be the parent. Model it. Model it. Model it, as Dr. Maria Newton uh, educated us to do. Appreciate you joining us, everybody. This is the Matt Townsend Show, trying to give you a better view of the world, a little leg up on this crazy thing we call humanity. We'll be back tomorrow with more ideas right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.